like an old man drinks it. Sure don't need brandy, nor to help me think. What I need is something to put me on an even keel. Pour me some wine so I can tell you how I feel. Pour me some wine. Okay, everybody, we're here today with the One Bottle at a Time podcast, where we enjoy one bottle at a time with uh, some good conversation, and uh, we let the bottle and the conversation take us where where, where it may. Uh, today, we're enjoying a, a nice petite Syrah from the uh, Three Vineyard, uh, located in uh, Contra Costa. County. That's in uh, Northern California. Uh, if I can remember, I think uh, the only place I can remember in that area from my my visits to the Bay Area is, is uh, Richmond. Richmond, California, is part of Contra Costa County. Uh, I don't think they're growing any wine there, but <laughs> so uh, today our guest is Mr. James Allen. Mr. James Allen is a software engineer. And uh, an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur that, that's okay. really important. Okay, okay, uh, entrepreneur, uh, very dear to my heart. Oh, uh, as they say in some places, he's an entry pruner. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That's one way to help the little kids pronounce it. It's a, it's a mnemonic device, he's an entry pruner. So, uh, Mr. Mr. Allen, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, uh your journey as it continues, and and we'd like to talk a little bit about uh. Uh, where your journey began and, and kind of where you're at today. Well, before I, before I get into my story, I do want to sort of talk about why entrepreneurship is so important to me. Okay. Uh, I think entrepreneurs are responsible for creating wealth, uh, basically increasing the standard of living of people. So um, to me, there's, there's, there's no nobler work. So that's I just wanted to share that. Okay. I'm, and I'm in agreement with you 100%. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, as an entry... Uh, Entry pruner that I am, <laughs> and uh, I, and, I, and <laughs> this podcast is 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 part of my entry into that pruning. So that's right. So we're going let it go from there. Okay, all right. So so go ahead and uh, give us a little bit of your journey to uh, to where you're at today. Sure. Um, I grew up in Haiti. Uh, you know, was born there. Uh, came to this country in the year of 2000. You know, I, I migrated uh, to New York City, Brooklyn, particularly. Uh, when Brooklyn was the Wild Wild West, uh, <laughs> when Brooklyn was a battle zone, uh, you know, and, and I lived in a neighborhood called Flatbush, you know, um, a very popular neighborhood uh, amongst the hip hop community, at least. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, Flatbush has changed quite a bit, you know, but that's that's where I lived and uh, that's where I sort of grew up during my teenage years. OK, cool, yeah. cool. So as uh, as we do when we're, uh, I guess, as a teenager, uh Myself, I, I was born in and in, in, uh, grew up in the United States. So, so when you got here, what were some of the things that you did? Did you play basketball with some of the other kids, or did you, you know, did you play baseball, hang out? What did you do to kind of find your way around the culture at that particular time when you got here? Well, I'm gonna sound like a total lame right now, but <laughs> honesty, right? Um, so when when I first came here, I, I couldn't speak English. I, I didn't know a lick of English, unfortunately. So. I couldn't really bond with the with the kids there because you know um, uh, there was this language barrier, uh, and not only that, like you know Haiti, we 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 play different sports. We we mostly play soccer, and I felt like the kids here, um, uh, at least at the neighborhood that I was at in Flatbush, uh, which was mostly a black neighborhood, um, the kids there played you know a lot of basketball, and I sort of tried to play basketball, but I sucked at it. <laughs> <laughs> I sucked at it really bad. Uh, wow, right. You know, uh, I still had this 
chip on my shoulder to this day, I think, you know, uh, you know, I never got to play ball as nice as a lot of these kids. Uh, so, you know, I was sort of like a loser, you know, I, I, I didn't dress hip hop. I didn't dress baggy. Um, you know, I couldn't play ball. Uh, you know, I, I could barely speak one leg of English. So, uh, wow, believe wow. it or not, all I had when I was like a, you know, young man was, was a computer. Okay. You know, I had okay. a computer and, right. you know, and I wanted porn and I wanted games. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted porn and you wanted that, games. That, that's it. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. All right. There you go. Okay. So, all right. So we'll fast forward a bit and, 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 and we'll find out from you what was that thing that helped you move into where you're at, where you're at today, which mm. is, which is uh, being a software engineer. Sure. And for me, uh, I'm also, uh, I'm an electrical engineer myself. So at that, uh, at that tender young age that you were, the thing that pushes us all forward, obviously is, uh, education. Sure. Yeah. So, so here in the United States at that point, when did the education come into play that propels you forward to where you where you are today, especially your interests uh, uh, in, uh, in in software engineering. So you know, it, it sort of all happened by accident. Um, you know, as I as I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, I sort of assimilated. You know, I sort of assimilated too well. I did learn how to play basketball, so I can play ball now. <laughs> you know? yeah, cool. um, uh, and and I did learn hip hop. I did learn how to dress baggy, and I, you know, I got too cool even. You know, I um. And, you know, the only thing I knew, because I was so ignorant, I, I went to a community college called uh, Kingsborough, you know, um, uh, uh, I, the only thing I knew, and, and to be honest, even, even if you look at my GPA at Kingsborough, it's like miserable, it's like 1.2, one, 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 one <laughs> <laughs> it's like 1.2, 1.3, like yeah, yeah, okay, um, yeah. so I was a terrible student, um, uh, and, and I assimilated into a, a, a bad lifestyle, you know, so um, I joined the military, you know, it, it was like the only way out this particular neighborhood, um, uh, so I joined the Navy. And something interesting actually happened, you know, when I was in the Navy, um, uh, you know, I, I used to, like, despite all my, you know, bad behavior, all my mischief, you know, I was still pretty uh, intellectual. I, I was good at math. I was always good at math. Okay. Um, and, you know, I would write, you know, um, uh, I would write this book on, like, how to, how to teach math simply, hmm. you know, uh, how to write simple math. So, uh, and I would always walk with this book, but I would never share it with anyone because I didn't want to be seen as a nerd, you know, because... <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't cool to be smart, huh? That's, that's right. And, 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 and I, I say that to people all the time. Like, right, right, right. Software wasn't cool. Um, right. Same same with any intellectual endeavor, you know, especially in an environment like like Brooklyn where, right. where right. you know, there's this – their concept of manhood is not someone who thinks, mm. you know. Um, mm. Similar with the military. It's, it's very similar to, like, gang culture in the military, you know. Mm. It, it's their concept of someone who's tough is some – of manhood is someone who's tough, someone who's very physical – uh, someone who's an athlete, someone who could swim, someone who's probably want to do special operation and try for the Navy SEAL, you know. Right. So their concept of like manhood in the Navy was very similar. So I was I was pretty used to it. Mm. Um, I was part of the engineering division in the Navy. Um, uh, and the engineers were actually some of the roughest uh, bunch in the military. I actually didn't know that. And, you know, everyone knows infantry was tough. Mm. Uh, but engineering, actually, the, the engineer corps is really tough bunch. Um, so there was a lot of fights. You know, there was, there was even a fight club. <laughs> <laughs> fights yeah. amongst the engineers? Yeah, yeah, there was even a fight club. Okay, the, so, fight the club. software engineers and the hardware engineers? No, and, no, there were, I was, so I was a mechanical engineer. Okay. I did boiler mechanics, so I was okay. a machinist mate. Okay. You know? Now was that on a uh, was that on a ship or? Yeah, it was on a ship. It was okay. on. A, I, I believe it was an LHD. You know, those big amphibious ship. Okay. Uh, but right. it, long story short, um, I would walk around with this little notebook of my math. Right. 
just my little self, my little um, uh, self-thought math endeavors, mm-hmm. right? And and one day, this this guy, it was this Jewish guy who who would always ask me like, what's what's this, what's in this book? Uh, he was like a friend of mine, but he was much older. He kept asking me, what's in this book? What's in this book? And then one day he just snatched it from me because I, I would never show him. <laughs> and <laughs> see, let me see what's going on. Right? Yeah. See, you're running numbers on the ship or some shit like that. <laughs> I wish. Right, right. Um, but like, you know, he opened the book and he saw the math that was in there. And he said, who wrote this? And I told him it was myself. And uh, and he said, get the fuck out of here. You know, it was, it was, it was like, yeah, right. You know, yeah. uh, and I, I was like, yeah, it's really it's really me. And, right. you know, uh, he, he was a bit taken off guard by it. But, you know, he was really impressed. And, you know, something interesting happened. He he, he told me I was smart. Mm. You know, so I was, I was about 18 at the time. Um, uh, he told me I was it was the first time in my life someone told me I was smart. Wow. So now now now, uh, I mean, obviously, as a young man going to school. In the United States, mm-hmm. you you never had a teacher, a school teacher in in elementary or high school tell you tell you that you were smart. No, no. no. I mean, now was that a function of you not you not showing your smarts in school, or was that just uh, a function of how the teachers operated? Because I know when I was a kid, if you showed any promise, if you were a bright kid in terms of the way you performed in the classroom or your test scores or whatever. Teachers would tell you that you, hey, you, you know, you're a smart kid, you know, especially if you were, if you were uh, apt to get into trouble, <laughs> you know, because I mean, I, yeah, I got into trouble, yeah. but I would get into trouble every once in a while, do stupid things. But I would have to, one of the things the principal would say to me or a teacher would say, you know, you, you know, you, you're kind of smart. Why would you do that? <laughs> you know, you got to You know, you got a bright future in this world. You know, you got to stick with the books. Don't do that stupid stuff. So I so that that kind of puzzles me that. You know, I mean, as I've, uh, you know, encountered you and spent a little time with you in conversation right away from, you know, and this dude is on the bar. He's, he's a very intelligent, intelligent gentleman. Very bright. Thank you. Very interesting conversation. Very wide range conversation. He's well read. You know, uh, I like to use the term well read. People like to say educated. What does that mean? But, but well, to me, because the term to me educated means finality, you know, mm. that ED, you know educated it's like it's over you're done you ain't gonna learn no more mm. so I'm, I'm a person that i i like to use the term he's well read so you know you can listen to people and and you can you can kind of garner you know or gauge you know their their intelligence the way they speak or how they speak or things that they talk about you know these things that they learn they learn yeah. from you know obviously whatever their experience is but also from from spending that precious time that we all need to spend with our head deep in a book somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's that conversation, you know, that you have with people that you don't know that that's so deep and involving, you know, and that's what that's what we get in the book. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, I, I guess, like I said before, it's quite a surprise to find out that the time that you spent in elementary school or, or high school, even that you never had a, a teacher express to you hey you know you're smart you're a smart kid or whatever even you know in spite of or whatever you know so so obviously uh we'll, we'll get back to, to i, I, to, I to do think you're like, right just, i, I right, do okay. think you're right in a sense that like i think a lot of my friends knew that i was intelligent i okay. think i was very clear to as much as i like to fake the funk right like i think <laughs> i think a lot of my friends knew i was an intellectual right you know because they, they were real bad boys right i mean one of my friends i when i was in san francisco i got i got the news that one of my friends that i went I was in high school with. He's actually one of the guys that was in that final bra that made me join the Navy. He he, he got 
caught with for weapon trafficking mm. and uh, with so many high powered rifles that they give him 25 years in prison right um so i think a lot of my friends who were real they were real goons i wasn't right um <laughs> they knew i was smart they knew i was intelligent you mm. know uh, but a lot of the teachers unfortunately um especially in my experience here with junior high school and high school they 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 saw they saw a lot of us as a, as a burden you know and, and, and in a sense we were we were very we were very mischievous right um but a lot of them they, they were really they didn't have high expectations of us put it this way especially at the school right. i went to canarsie high school where right. you know there's metal detectors there's people coming in with like gillettes and and, and wow you know i've seen a lot of shit you know wow, um, wow. Okay. so so their expectations they, they they don't want to do anything that that'll jeopardize their well-being because a lot of the students are dangerous mm. um uh, and and you know they're just trying to do their job a lot of them care a lot of them don't some of them are indifferent uh, so it really depends. But me, since I was trying to fit in, uh, and I think that that shows like a weakness of character on my part. Mm. Um, uh, I was just trying to blend in with my environment right. and be the cool kid. Okay, so so what I'm getting from you is that <laughs> the teachers in the, in the particular environment that you were at that time, the teachers maybe would have been in fear of saying to another student that you're smart, that you're bright. Is 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 <laughs> am I getting this correct? That the teachers would be in fear of of, of giving a student a compliment or, or encouragement, you I, I know, on I, on I on a, so. on a uh, you know, in terms of you know, in terms of their smarts, is 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 that what I'm getting from you? I don't think so. Uh, I I think I think it would have more. It, it was more like they just saw me as like another troublemaker. Okay, know? they just saw me. I, I would cut class often, and okay. I still pass by the way, which, right. which which tells you of the quality of ed- education here. Right. Um. But they, they just saw me as like another burden, and and I, you know, <laughs> right, right. The, the educational system experience here that I've had was was in my opinion a giant sham. Um. It, mm. it was it was just making it enough in enough classrooms uh, and playing the game enough to, to sort of pass by and get, get, get a passing grade. Okay. That's really what it was, you know? Okay. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people who graduated would, would probably tell you the same thing I just told you. It's really playing the game enough, doing enough trouble and playing, enough, playing the game well enough so that you, you get mm. that passing grade. And they want you out anyway. Right, right. right. So. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go back to when you uh, had the, the fellow uh, 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 shipman uh, snatch your book away and and, and, and kind of see that you, hey this guy's into math he's got to be a bright guy so let's let's go back to there and when you know how that led to uh, the software sure um so it, it, this is gonna sound like a fairy tale but I promise you I'm telling you the truth so when this young man and he was he was like in his early 30s I believe uh, so he's still young but I was like a kid you know um, when he when he found out like of my notes and we we spoke often and so he knew. He knew like that I had potential. He did something that was really remarkable. He started he started sort of investing in me and saying, "Hey, you know, you're really bright. You should do this. You should do that." So he really started like went out of his way mm. uh, to sort of like push me to to become better. And it, like I can't stress that enough. I never had that in my entire life. You know, it was, it was the first time someone finally said, "Hey, you're actually you actually have something up there in your brain, right?" You know, wow. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Right. So so could 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 we say that he became a mentor? Sort of, yeah. Sort okay, of. Okay. Okay. For sure. All right. Okay. And that, and that's uh, I can relate to that because yeah. my my experience uh, as a an, as an electrical engineer and subsequently as a, a network engineer, mm-hmm. uh, I had a gentleman that that was the same for me, uh, working with uh, uh, in in, in uh, working for a corporation uh, at one wow. time. As a matter of fact, the corporation at the time was uh, Integraph. Corporation. It was a company that uh, they specialized in uh, computer aided design. 
uh, workstations at that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a guy that uh, he was a technical support guy. I was a guy in the field uh, dealing with problems and repairing problems. And, uh, you know, when I needed help, I give him a ring when I was out in the field. But when I got back to the office, a lot of time we would have conversations and, you know, once, you know, like you, he would he would kind of uh, take an interest in, in, in me and things I was doing. And he would tell me, you know, uh, what was going on in the technology mm-hmm. in terms of how it was progressing at that time, because he had the time to do that. He wasn't in the field and he he kind of mentored me. He saw promise in me. He, he saw how he, I guess he thought I was bright. Uh, he, he, he he saw that uh, when I worked in the field. You know, I did a good job of dealing with issues and problems and getting solved. So he took time and interest in me. He became my mentor uh, at that time, you know, as a uh, uh, as a uh, network engineer. Mm-hmm. And at some point, it, it definitely contributed to progressing my career. I agree. So, I, I even think uh, any 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 specialized craft, uh, it's it's how you really learn is more through an apprenticeship than through uh, college. So I think any engineering or any uh, specialty craft like surg- surgery or even medical doctors, I think they, they really learn at their residency, which mm-hmm. is like an apprenticeship, right, or right. a junior engineer really learns from a senior engineer. Mm. And it's it's more like an apprenticeship um, uh, development path rather than like you go to college for four years and you study computer science and you think you're an engineer when you're not. Right. right? So, okay. Yeah. All right. So now let's get to the point where you actually uh, began to learn to learn coding was that in the navy or was that subsequent to 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 uh leaving the navy uh it was subsequent to leaving the navy but like um i was I actually had software experience since i was a kid because like i said i wanted porn and game and the only way to do it was to interact with servers so i, I had um a scripting experience already but i just didn't know like it was valuable to the marketplace so to say you know uh but there's one thing i want to add to this um uh, that is um this the same young man who who uh, told me that i was intelligent and so on and so on um uh he actually um, uh, recommended me need f- to do an officer program in the military. And mm. one of the things uh, officers must obtain is a degree. So, you know, I actually was sharp enough to be able to select to be selected to become an officer. So I had to go to college. And he, he did something that was really cool. He, he sort of, like, encouraged me to go to an Ivy League school. And mm. at the time, I didn't know what that was. Mm. I was like, Ivy League, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, and, and he told me what it was. And I, initially, I was very scared because I felt that I felt that if I apply to an Ivy League school and get denied, then maybe he's wrong. Maybe maybe I'm not that smart after all, right? Maybe maybe mm. maybe maybe he's maybe he's just off, you know. Mm. So for a very long time, even though he told he insisted that I should apply to an Ivy League school, I, I denied it. I said no, no, it's elitist. I don't want to do it. I don't want to try it. Blah blah blah. Uh, but he kept insisting, and I, and I think that's I really want to stress that because that, mm. that that bothers me to this day. Why did he do that, right? Like mm. why did he call me every day and beg me to apply to an Ivy League school, right? I I, I wonder it, 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 it baffles me today but nevertheless i folded because he, he was he put so much pressure on me to, to just apply it like schools like princeton columbia yale uh and i did and you know i i i got accepted to several schools um, but i eventually went to columbia in, in manhattan mm-hmm. and i think that's where the tech industry really opened up to me because um i, I went to columbia university with with under the naval commissioning program to become an engineering officer for the navy um, uh, and <clears throat> during my time at Columbia, I met several people. You know, I made I made friends. One day, this particular kid um, uh, who I knew for a while, he invited me over to sort of like have drinks before going out. 
And when I went to his place, uh, he lived in, like, I kid you not, a remarkable penthouse. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful, really, really beautiful penthouse. It must have been worth millions. Right, right from the building, like, just by, like, looking at the building from the outside, you knew it was, like, super elite. But uh, nevertheless, you know, I got inside the elevator, um, uh, went to his floor and uh, got inside. And I was just stunned on, like, how beautiful the place was. Uh, and, and I asked him, like, is this yours? Because, you know, um, uh, he's a student just like me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, is, is, this, is this you? Um, so what are you doing on the side? You know? <laughs> would you, would you, you selling textbooks on the side or what? You know what I'm saying? What kind of textbooks are you selling? You selling nuclear engineering textbooks on the side? Where you get this money from? <laughs> you know, so, so I asked him and he, he, he said, he basically told me about, like, his, his, his software company. Uh, he had a software company. Him and his brother had a software company called Click Agents. Okay, Which, what was the name of the company at the time? I believe Click Agents. Click, Click Agents. Yeah. Okay, that's a cool name. I like that. Yeah. Okay. And they sold it. It was an advertising company. Um, uh, it was a software advertising company. Uh, they they sold it to Yahoo for four hundred million. They, they had a big exit. Wow. Yeah. yeah man, that'd yeah. buy you a penthouse. Yeah, yeah. It would. <laughs> Definitely. I get you a nice penthouse. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. You know, and 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 you know, I, I was baffled, but that was the first time that I was exposed to Silicon Valley. Because, you know, you got to remember, I was, I was a kid from Haiti. I didn't really know much about much, right, right. Uh, you know, let alone, you know, Silicon Valley. So that was the first time I actually learned that people make money through software. I mean, I've been dabbling in software since I was a child. But I never knew, like, oh, it's, a, it's an actual industry with, like, people making a ton of money from it. Mm. Um, uh, but I think at that moment is when, like, the Navy lost me. Because, like... You know, uh, <laughs> my, maybe lost <laughs> pretty much. So did you did you go AWOL or you did never went back? Or no, no, I, I did go back. <laughs> I, I did go back as an officer. Thing. Okay, all right, all right, great, cool. But but I resigned, and and that upset a lot of people because uh, they made a huge investment in me. You know, you got to think Columbia sixty thousand a year. Mm. Uh, the Navy paid that um, uh, for me. I, I don't have any debt, but um, uh, you know, the goal was to, for me to become like a high rank officer and mm. and you know give them back their investment. And I didn't. I sort of resigned and. Went to, straight to San Francisco right afterwards, right? But, like, <laughs> I feel bad for it. But mm. uh, that I think that's at that moment where I knew Silicon Valley is where I needed to be. Mm. And that's when I really started taking my software career seriously. Uh, and it was a steep learning curve, as you could imagine, you know, mm. because um, uh, the little things you do on a computer is nothing compared to, like, you know, what people do in Silicon Valley. It's professional software engineers right. doing really high-level abstract work. Um, uh, so I think the first couple of years was extremely overwhelming for me. Um, uh, but like, like all I've, I've learned and assimilated before, just like I've assimilated to hip hop or the Navy, you know, Silicon Valley was just a different <laughs> world. Right, right. <laughs> it was okay. a different world to assimilate to really. So now you arrived in, you, you just mentioned that when you first went out there, you went to San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, uh, for, for people familiar with Silicon Valley, that that's actually, uh, I guess when the traffic is good, 40 minutes <laughs> 40 minutes to an hour south of the city of San Francisco. So that's uh, basically Santa Clara, San Jose. Well, Silicon Valley has shifted, right? Right, right. Well, well, you know, I, you know, I just wanted to, to, to mention that mm -hmm. from, uh, let's say, the year 2000. Yeah. You know, in terms of the internet and software development. And, and prior to that, going back to... The 70s and and the invention of the Apple computer, yeah, which led to the the uh, personal computer revolution. 
Silicon Valley was primarily Cupertino, probably Cupertino, yeah. but but basically San Jose San County, Jose, yeah. San Jose, yeah. Santa Clara, mm-hmm. Milpitas. For mm-hmm. people familiar with that, absolutely, you know places like that. So, but there, in, there, in, there, in terms of, in terms of the sorry sorry to, to cut you off, but yeah. in, in terms of the development of the software and hardware, you know companies like Cisco and, and Google, it was primarily in what they call the South Bay. Silicon Valley. So fast forward to when you began your career. By then, we had companies like um, Twitter and uh, companies like Salesforce. So now, fast forward, we have the development and the engineering starting to take place in the city of San Francisco. Yeah, but before so, that, so, before that, during okay. the Facebook era, it was okay. Palo Alto. Okay, okay. You know, so it didn't it didn't shift north. You know straight to san francisco directly it, for a while facebook and all and all like the twitter stage it, it was palo alto okay right right by stanford university so um uh, S- silicon valley gradually moved north as you it went from like south bay to palo alto okay to now it's san francisco okay so now, now, now you but, but you began in san francisco that's yeah yeah i began okay. In san okay all right go ahead but i just wanted to yeah. you know for our listeners i just wanted to kind of make a a note of you know silicon valley as as we know it today encompasses San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, metaphorically speaking, as opposed to its its infancy or its beginning and its maturity phase, which was basically in what they call the South Bay. That's right. And metropolitan San Jose. That's right. I I think Silicon Valley's still shifting still but it's it's moving even further uh, north to like well if you're speaking in the state of California now south Mm-hmm. But it's going even further down to uh, L.A., where, okay. where Silicon Beach mm. is, is forming. And, you know, um, uh, that's because of Snapshot. Right, you have right. to see it as like each each wave of big tech companies shifts Silicon Valley to a new center. Okay. Right. So when, when Spiegel, uh, I believe that's his name, the founder of Snapshot, when he right. moved to uh, Evan L.A. Spiegel, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, a lot of the tech people followed. And, uh, you know, Silicon Valley is now forming Silicon Beach. I, I still think the heavy engineering work is still in San Francisco. By the way, I oh still yeah, think, everything you know. is is, is all, you know, I <laughs> yeah. think yeah, everything. I think everything is still always going to be centered around. That's right. You know, San Jose, Santa Clara, Cupertino. I, I think it's always going to be that way because it's so concentrated there from the beginning. That's right. So okay, so let's get back to your arrival in San Francisco, and as you mentioned, you you start to encounter, you know, that this coding thing is is very intense. It's it's a lot of hard work, and it's beyond just you, you know uh, the basic level things that you knew about it. Well, before before I get to the coding thing, I do want to say that. Um, so my software company currently, Cityscape, uh, I would like to move it further south to San Diego, right? So I think San Diego is like a it's like a gem, like a hidden gem that people really don't explore. It's really untapped as a city. Okay. So instead of moving to L.A., which is like what a lot of like founders like me do. I'd like to move to San Diego and hopefully bring a better tech industry there because my experience with tech has been very, uh, they're very antisocial and very elitist. Hmm. They don't really do much for the community aside from employment, you know, and that's, that's not really much hmm. in my opinion, right? So okay. I'd like okay. to bring a different side of tech, hopefully to San Diego uh, and provide like a different example of what tech could be, which I, I believe tech could be a lot more social and a lot more benevolent to the community rather than just this, this elite employer providing job for high-tech workers but okay. you know that's my future okay all right here. wonderful good yeah. to hear that yeah, totally. it's good to hear that you want to mix the 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 uh the technology 
you know, with the with the social side of things where people yeah. actually live and enjoy life every day. Yeah. You know, and, and don't have a, uh, as you mentioned, an elitist type attitude and, 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 you know, home prices aren't out of this world because, you know, <laughs> every two weeks somebody's somebody's uh, kind of did, did an IPO or, yeah. oh my God. you know, or, or something like that. So, and you got a, a city like San Francisco where you, you have, you know, uh, uh, probably in excess of, of a thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. You know that that have a, a net worth over five hundred million dollars, and obviously that 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 has a, a earthquake effect on the overall economy of that city yeah, yeah, and of totally. that region. So, and like you said, obviously for that reason, things suffer on a social level. Yeah, not a social networking level, but on a social level, just yeah, how people interact with each other. Okay, so let's get into a little more about you know when you you actually started to do some some serious hard coding, as you, as you would say. So um, it didn't it didn't happen like immediately. So I think I think when when I first came, um, uh, I tried to learn Objective C. That was like my first software language, like hard software language experience. Uh, Objective C is Apple's language, um, and you know I, I suffered through it for, for months, man. And it was an epic failure. Uh, I failed to learn Objective C actually because I'm. Uh, I found it very, very counterintuitive and, uh, you know, it was just too difficult. So for a very long time in Silicon Valley, like um, uh, I was trying to put the, together this company um, uh, and I was mainly building software to other people, you know, so I would get like a technical co-founder, so to say, and, you know, they'd help me build my software and I'd be the entrepreneur. Mm. So for a very long time, like I would say, like I, I was learning business and I was learning design and I was learning marketing. I was learning all sorts of things, but like how to be a software engineer, mm. you know? And I, I have to say that again, like my first experience with software engineering, like serious software engineer, right? Not bullshit. Like, you know, because like, I'm not going to count the bullshit HTML or the bullshit server <laughs> scripting. That's not software, you know? Okay. Um, uh. But I failed. I, I have to I have to stress that again. Like I failed at learning how to write code mm. uh, because like my approach to it was very wrong. You know, I, I saw coding as something that you learn by, uh, you learn consciously, hmm. you know? So it's not until like later, believe it or not, that I actually, I stumbled upon a book because uh, I'm, what I'm building is a social network. Okay. And I stumbled upon a book called The Crowd, A Study hmm. of the Popular Mind. And it was written by a French author named Gustave Le Bon. And, you know, as a guy who's trying to build a social network, I want to study the crowd. You know, I'm fascinated by crowds, actually. I love cities, uh, mm. but I love the crowd as well. So after reading that book, I was so impressed. By, by the way, this book, The Crowd, is actually a book that impressed Hitler quite dramatically. It's, mm. it's, it's actually on Hitler's bio. Mm. Uh, that's how much of an impact the crowd had. Also, Franklin uh, Roosevelt invited Gustave Le Bon personally mm. for dinner. Uh, so a lot of big people have been influenced by this book. Okay, so now, so, so for our listeners... Sure. The Crowd by Francois Lebeau. Gustave. Gustave Gu- oh, okay. Lebeau. Gustave Lebeau. Okay, there is an English translation. Correct? There is, yeah. Okay, okay, all right. So it's called The Crowd, A Study of the Popular Mind. Okay. It's, it's a powerful book. It's about 120 pages, but that's not, that's not what this is about. I was so impressed with the author. Mm-hmm. The author was, 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 was an extremely bright genius. I was so impressed with the author, actually, that I started reading his other work. I started reading all his other work, but then I reached a... a a limit because his other works weren't translated. But then I realized like he was French and mm. growing up in Haiti, I could speak French. Mm. So I started reading his other works uh, mm. that was not translated in French. So there was this book that he, that he wrote called 
la psychologie de l'éducation. It's basically uh, the psychology of education. Mm. And I read that book and it changed my life. It changed my life forever. Mm. What this book basically mentioned is that to learn something is to is the art of learning is 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 learning how to what did he say? He said learning is the art of passing knowledge from the conscious mind to the subconscious mind. Mm. He said if you don't know something subconsciously, you don't know it. Mm. You know, learning is the art of passing knowledge from the conscious mind to the subconscious mind. So he basically spoke about how to really learn something is to impregnate your subconscious with it. Mm. And he said, if you're if you're using your conscious mind, you're failing. Um, uh, and I was so baffled by that <laughs> that I, I can't I can't even describe how shocked I was of wow. using your subconscious to learn. Mm. And, and in a sense, he's right. And I'm going to get into why he's right. But before I get into the reasons, I. I decided to say, you know what? Let's 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 try his techniques. Let's try his techniques to see if I could learn something as complex as computer science. Mm. So I went and implemented his techniques that I've learned from the book. And I kid you not, it worked. You know, mm. uh, it worked. Mm. Uh, languages that I used to struggle at picking up, whether it's from C, C sharp, um, uh, I picked it up subconsciously. I learned how to use my subconscious to learn, and through that, I was able to make. Huge leaps and bounds as mm. a software engineer. I was able to achieve things in a software world. I remember I, I spoke to my business partner once. His name is William. And we were talking about this communication pattern in software called delegating protocols. And, you know, I gave him my particular approach using this technique. And he was shocked. He said, it took me years to understand this engineering concept. Mm. You know? Um, so, I've, I've through hard experience, I was able to realize that his techniques work. But... I have to say again that all this sort of fell into my lap. It was never, um, uh, it was never me that's like this super bright person who sort of like figured it all out. You know, it was all an accident. You know, mm. this guy saw my math notebook. You know, I, I I end up meeting this you know super rich guy at Columbia. You know, I, I'm reading this book about the crowd, and then you know I finally found a book that teaches you how to learn a mm. language. You know, mm. uh, and next thing you know, I'm a programmer. So like, it, it's kind of funny because like um. I never would have thought like you have to you have to put yourself into my perspective here. You know, I'm 31 years old right now and you know, I grew up in Haiti um uh, and I've lived in a hood, I've been in the military, I've made a lot of money, uh, mm. you know, through speculation, but that's a different topic. Um uh, you know, um and now I'm in Silicon Valley, you know, uh writing some of the most modern and current computer programming languages like Swift or R Right. Um, so it's a lot in a very short period of time. Mm. Right. All this, all this is not something that I think any one person can achieve. It takes, it takes a bit of like, it takes a bit of serendipity. I think. Yeah, definitely. It, serendipity is always right. always a great part. That's right. Definitely, definitely. But, uh, I, you know, with all of that, like you said, in that short period of time, mm. you know, if, if 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 I can digress for a minute. Uh, one of my favorite writers is is uh, uh, Jack London, and if you ever spent time in the Bay Area, Jack London is very prominent. You know, Jack London State. I know Park. he has a square, right? Jack London Square, right. which is in Oakland. Mm -hmm. Jack London State Park, and uh, I think that's in Sonoma. Obviously, at at a point in his uh, literary career, he lived in lived in uh, Sonoma County. And uh, one of his stories, which is which is basically autobiographical, um, 
you know, kind of covers what his 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 uh, journey was to become a writer. Wow! And it's called Martin Eden. Mm-hmm. So his journey in Martin Eden, as I speak to you, parallels a lot of the things that you you know that you did in that short period of time mm-hmm. because from his his uh his journey you know he became a writer kind of in the way you became a programmer interesting you know and complete accident complete accident wow and in a very short span of time and at some at one point i i imagine uh i guess in into in the early to mid 1900s he was the most uh, highly paid writer in the world wow so you know obviously so that gives you a little uh a little something to read down the line when you have some time uh to go with your uh your little boat <laughs> i'm totally <laughs> you know God, so cool. you know i just just wanted to wow. mention that and, and as an aside uh, to our listeners martin eden by uh, uh jack london uh, one of my favorite authors so uh so okay so let's get back to uh, you know, you're in San Francisco, and you're you now you're doing some serious coding. Yeah. And uh, so now let's go from where you start to do the serious coding to where you are today, where you're coding for your own software project today, uh, which I believe is 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 uh, something called or Secret Places. Is is that is that it? Is that, uh, yeah, that's the concept. The that's name the concept. is Cityscape. Cityscape, okay. Yeah. And the concept is 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 finding and sharing secret places in cities around the world. That's right. So let let's go from when you became a serious coder and when you had that epiphany where the where where the uh, subconscious is the key to education. That's right. So let's go from there to where you are where you are today. Uh, let me say one more thing before I answer okay. your question. I think you, you, you've nailed it when you said your subconscious is the key to your education. Because if you look at, pe- if you look at people who... Um, so I speak French, for an example, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of the times, um, I'd meet someone and they say, oh, I took French in, in college. And if I were to speak French with them, they, they, they'd struggle really hard, right? Because they wouldn't keep up with what I'm saying. They, they would speak very slowly. They'd struggle. Mm. Uh, you could spend 10 years in school trying to learn French, and you wouldn't know a lick of French. You right, know, right. a real French speaker. Right. So you, you, you really do see that college is not the way we learn languages. You know, you could spend 10 years in school and not learn one bit of the language you try to learn in school. Right. But if I send you to Paris for six months, you'll learn more French. Right, right. right. Experience. That's right. 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 You're in it. Right. right. Well, exactly. Right. It seems that the only way to learn a language is by submerging your subconscious in it. That's the only way. Right. Well, yeah. let's, 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 you know, now that you mention that in terms of learning a language, because I've spent a little time in Japan. Sure, yeah. And so, you know, I learned, the Japanese that I learned was while I was in Japan. Mm-hmm. The thing that, you know, that grabbed me the most in terms of learning a language, and as you just mentioned, in terms of learning... Uh, you computer know, language. You know, well, in terms of learning French okay. from a book versus living in Paris, is that you get that experiential knowledge, and what happens with the experiential knowledge is that's beyond uh, a book, is that when you are in the experience observation comes into play the smells the taste all of your senses come into play in the experiential realm mm-hmm. of, lear- of learning so you know if, if the person describes the apple 
you know, or potato in French in a book, mm-hmm. there's quite a difference to when a person is is in front of you sitting at a table in France eating an apple and yeah. having a conversation with another person that speaks French. That's right. Right? So they're actually eating it. The person is eating an apple, <laughs> right? And then the conversation between these two people that speak French goes into the apple. So now you as the non-French speaking person, oh, they're talking about the apple. Mm. Mm. So now you, not only do you get the French word for apple or the French word for potato, but you get it in context. You get it in, co- just you get it in context. You get it in context, mm. and you get it in the conversation, like you said before. So now, learning that language is more pertinent to having a conversation with someone that natively speaks the language. That's right. Okay. All right. So let's get back to That's your. Right. your, your well, the, the the problem that I'm solving now with Cityscape, and you know, I. I'll, I want to focus more on a problem rather than the company itself because that's what companies are for. Companies are vehicles in which we solve problems in the world, mm. right? I think I think we're forgetting that a lot. I think people sort of see companies as just a vehicle to make money. Sure, that's part of it, but that's not its first purpose. The first purpose of a company is to solve a problem in society. Cities, as they are right now, suffer a communication problem. Mm. Uh, what I mean by that is if you if you have something you want to communicate to the city, there's no platform or information layer where you could get that information out there. Uh, likewise, if someone in the city is trying to find you, uh, there's no there's no layer in which they could find someone with your skill set or w- whatever you have to offer. Uh, so that's one problem. People don't know how to get what they want from the city, mm. nor do they know how, nor can people who need what they can offer find them. So let me give you an example. Let's just say um, uh, let's just say you you you, you want to work out and you want a gym partner, right? Right. right? Um, there's probably people in your neighborhood and your locality that also wants a gym partner. Mm. Can you tell me one platform in which you could find that gym partner? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you could do like uh, one of the dating apps. Oh no! And you can get a date, and uh, maybe you. I mean, you know, they do those whole thing where you put down what you like and your algorithms, and I, you know, I don't know. Is that but it's, it's a dating app. It's not. It's okay. not. It's not to find a business partner or a dating or or okay. a workout partner, right? Okay. You know? All right. Well, I'm just I'm just reaching there. You know. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is that we have needs that are emotional and social, mm. and right. Even though you're surrounded by eight million people in New York City, you don't know how to get what you need from this eight million people. You don't know how to communicate to them. Mm. Likewise, there's a bunch of people in that eight million people that that needs what you can offer. Let's mm. just say you make great coffee. I don't know. Let's just say you make. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say like you you you're a great walking partner. I mean, some people want someone to walk with. Mm. It, it, there's there's not a platform right now in which. You could say, okay, I'm looking for someone to walk with. And another person said, I'm also looking for someone to walk with. Oh, I kind of like you. Um, uh, We have the same values. Let's let's walk together. We live in the same neighborhood, right? Mm. There's a bunch of people right now, believe it or not, in this 8 million people in New York City that that, that need you, believe it or not. You Mm. just don't know that, right? Mm. Because Mm. there's no information later. Well, I know it's a lot of women that need you. You know, so that I'm not lost on that part. You know. Not necessarily that they want to walk with me or work out with me, you know, but they need me. Well, so I mean, well, that's, what you thinking? that's you one think? of the wonderful things about being in New York City. So no, no matter, you know, as a human being, you know, as a human being, no matter what my shortcomings are, mm-hmm. the women need me. 
<laughs> you know, and, 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 and in New York City, there's no lack of women that need me. There's, so. there's a lot of them here. <laughs> it's okay. too much. All right, so um, get, let's get back to uh, 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 the city. And, and, let, and Let's just and say for an example, let's just okay. say for an example, there's someone who has the same idea of a podcast. Okay. They'd like they'd like a business partner or, or an activity partner to do a podcast with. Okay. Right. Can you tell me a platform in which that person could try to reach someone like you? Hmm. I mean, you're right. Absent, a- absent of some serendipitous happenstantial conversation. That's right. Conversation with someone uh, at a bar when you're watching a ball game. You're right. That's right. I, I think. You're right. You're I think. Right. That's one. That's one thing. Finding someone with the same goal as you, but I also think the city suffers in terms of like fulfilling your social and emotional needs. Mm. Sometimes you just you just want to socialize with people, you know, and that's it. No, no more than that. You know, right. sometimes yeah, you yeah. just want to feel like there's a community. You're right. You're right. And sometimes you just want to have an interesting conversation about a, you know people with like minded. You know, right, right, right. sometimes it's really simple. And right. what actually, I mean, you know, uh, uh, that's how we met. Exactly. Right. We it, were in a public place. Exactly. And, and at some point we, we had a conversation and it, it got interesting. Exactly. Enough for both of us that it continued. And we're here today. The example you pick is perfect. Cause like, that's, that's kind of like how we met. We met at a secret spot. It was my secret spot. At least that's where I go to code. I mean, we sort of met me, I was coding right next to you and you had this weird conversation with this guy. Right. So right. it was like, it was like my secret spot. Like this whole food was like my secret spot for coding. Cause mm. like, you know, I like coding around, I like coding at places where there's an environment that can stimulate me. Right. So, you know, um, uh, grocery stores, coffee shops, you know, I hate offices because I feel they're, they're sterile. You know, but if when I see life coming in and out, it stimulates my mind. So I write better code for some reason. Mm. Uh, But that was my secret spot. And we met at my secret spot. And then, bam, there we go. We clicked off. So that's kind of like my app, what we just did. You know, Mm. so my app is basically, it shows you secret spots in the city. You know, secret spots to study, secret spots to hang out, secret spots to socialize, secret spots for views. So a secret spot could be anything. Mm. You know, it could be a a hill with a view. It could be a a free parking spot in the city. It could be a, a, a corner to smoke. Right. A secret spot could be anything. It could be a business. Mm. I, it could be anything. Right. Mm. But when you go to these secret spots, you meet people and, you know, by meeting people, you interact with them and they expand your mind and you expand their mind. I mean, mm. you know, we sort of had a similar thing where you told me about Kleiner Perkins and his shady deals with, you know, the acquisition he done through HP. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that blew me away, by the way. Right, right. How, how he made his billions. Right. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> blew right. me away. Right. But I think, that, I think this is about you meet people that expand your mind and you expand their mind. So, um, in a sense, what we did is Cityscape in a nutshell. However, mm. Cityscape has two distinctions that I think you should notice. The first one is that secret spots must belong to a community. That is like uh, when you download the app, we're going to ask you to pick a world or to choose a world. And what worlds are, they're basically communities of people with similar values. Mm. So LBGT, skaters, um, uh, stoners, the people who smoke pot, that's a value, right? And, and they, they, they have a ritual. <laughs> I, I should rephrase that. A community is a group of people that has similar ritual. Mm. So volleyball players, that's a, that's a community. They, mm. Their rituals, they play volleyball. Stoners, mm. their rituals, they get, they get high. You know, um, uh, I don't know. LBGT, what's their ritual? <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. That's another, that's, that's another podcast. <laughs> right. But I think you get it. Skaters, right, right. you know, their ritual is skating. Right, and right. 
the secret spots for skaters would look very different for secret spot for artists like mm. the artist world their secret spot would probably be studios mm. you know free studios or stuff like that stuff where they could places where they could get inspiration and they could go to these secret spots and be confident that they'll meet other artists and they could have a conversation with right off the bat mm. but a skater if i join cityscape and i join a skater world i, I would probably see a bunch of places where i could skate mm. and of course there's going to be other skaters there and I could make friends as well. So it's kind of like you're, you're, you're brand new to the city. You don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to get absorbed into a community. Because that's, that's who we are. We, 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 we belong to several communities. We're not, we're not unidimensional. I think people usually have several communities. Mm-hmm. Right? But you could find your community on Cityscape. Whether it's LBGT or Skater or, or I don't know, Tech Founder. That's a community, right? The, the ritual is we code. right? We all code. Mm. Um, uh, and boom, the Apple shows secret spots for that community. And of course, as you explore these secret spots, you not only learn the city, but you meet other people with a similar mindset. So it's easier to bond with them. It's easier to join that world. So different worlds have different secret spots. We keep secret spots hidden through this world system. So if, you, if you're a skater and I'm LGBT, we see entirely different maps. We don't see the same map. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. But even if we belong to the same world, let's just say we're both skaters, for an example, or we're both tech founders, for mm-hmm. example, you know, um, we could see entirely different map depending on our contribution. Mm-hmm. So if you contribute much more than me to like the tech or engineering world, let's just say you contribute much more secret spots or you verify much more secret spots, uh, you will see, you will reach a higher level in the app mm-hmm. and you will see newer and better secret spots as opposed to me if i join just join the community i just joined that community tech founders i haven't contributed anything to it mm. i would just see the mainstream secret spots basically the secret spots that everyone knows but as i add secret spots and contribute secret spots you know i move up and i get to see more more interesting more newer secret spots so it's kind of like it's kind of like how it is in real life if, if if you're part of the volleyball world for example my business partner he's a volleyball player mm. um uh, if you're a brand new volleyball player you don't really know that much about that community. There's a lot of things that's going on in the community you don't really know. Mm. But if you contribute a lot in that community and people know you, you're going to get invited to all the elite parties. You're going to know what's happening in, in, in the volleyball community everywhere. You know, mm. If there's a volleyball stuff going down, you know. Mm. Right? So, you know, exactly. So it's, it's kind of like we could be in the same community because, I, because I'm much more involved. I contribute much more to the community. I get, I get to see much more than you who haven't contributed as much, right? right? right. So basically, secret spots are kept secret through different worlds, Mm. but also through different ranks. And the last thing I'm going to say is the rank system, which basically dictates what secret spots you see, whether you see the highest quality, newest secret spots, or whether you get to see just the mainstream secret spots. The rank system is dictated by the system called street cred. Mm. And street cred is basically the points you get when you add a secret spot, and when you verify a secret spot, mm. you know, so you get these points called street cred. And as your number of street cred goes up, you get to see better and newer secret spots. So okay. that, that's about it. All right, cool. So once again, the, the, the name of your app is? Cityscape. Uh, Cityscape. It's City X, like the letter X, Cape. But the X is silent, so it's just Cityscape. Okay, mm. okay, cool. It means a view of the city, by the way. Okay, and your, your app can be downloaded where? nowhere right now <laughs> oh okay okay so it's in beta it's in beta yeah. right now okay. it's not even in beta i'm just actually just building it uh so it's just me and william it's just two people building the app okay. we're doing a lot of work okay. uh but you know as we're building the app uh you know i blog about secret spots okay. i blog about scouting okay so now where where, where can our listeners 
uh, view your blog to, uh, you know, kind of keep up with the progress of your app and, and find out when it'll, it'll officially be released to the public? They could join the beta. Basically, they could sign up for it so that they know when the app is released uh, by just going to cityscape.com, cityxcape.com. Okay. And just click that button, join beta, and you'll basically be on a list to uh, know when the app is out. However, if they want to be a scout, meaning they want to be one of those people who's actually looking for secret spots in the city, they could actually go to a section of the website called Scouts, and they could enlist, and they could say, okay, I'm going to be a scout for that particular city, meaning I'm going to be someone searching for secret spots and sharing them on the app for this particular city. And, you know, they could do that by clicking on a scout section and enlisting as a scout. And as you saw, I have scouts enlisting right. from all over right. the world. Okay, yeah, I saw that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, in addition to that, if you could share with our audience uh, that you do have a a personal blog that you told me about, and oh, yeah. I, and I um you know I I I, I, I uh, went into it and and then uh, got some good information, some good knowledge, some good discussion. Thank you. So if you, can ex- uh, if you can share that link with our audience, I think that'll be something also that's wonderful uh, for the edification uh, of, of our listeners. Totally. Uh, so my personal blog is a result of, like, my long experience um, uh, in the United States. So, you know, as you know, like, I've, 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 I've lived in a hood. I've been in the military. I've, you know, lived in very expensive places as well. Um, uh, I've been in Silicon Valley. I've made a lot of money speculating in finance. Uh, so I've, I've synthesized basically all this experience, uh, all the insight I've gained from, you know, traveling all these worlds and experimenting with so many things uh, into a blog in which I mainly speak about health. Uh, and I also speak about um, uh, uh, finance, clearly, like success. Mm. Um, uh, and I think the last is health and social. I, I speak about social discussion. I actually wrote an article uh, called uh, "What Blacks Need Is a City." I think that's an article I wish would get more read, mm. uh, but it doesn't get as much viewership as, as I would like. Actually, my most popular article, believe it or not, is called uh, "How to Become More Intelligent." Uh, that that article for some reason blew up. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened. Now, now was that at all related to your uh, your 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 uh, Francois LeBouf experience? <laughs> that's a good point. Um, uh, no, actually, um, so, uh, yeah, I've read Gustav's work. and Gustav, I'm yeah, sorry, Gustav. That's yeah, fine. You know, it's, it's a weird name anyway. Uh, yeah. um, I've read his work, and I've implemented it to teach myself how to write code. But, um, you know, I've also experimented with my own technique on how to push your mental evolution forward. Mm. And I think that's mainly what I shared in our article, techniques that I've sort of uncovered, for an example. Uh, one, of the, one of the techniques that I've sort of uncovered is um, uh, the power of speech. Uh, to, to not dissipate your, your, your power through speech and to harness that energy upward into your mind so that you could, you know, think more fruitful thought. Mm. But one, one can do that with not just speech, actually. You could do it through sex. You know, if you, if right. you, you know I, I spent, I think, a year and a half completely dry, celibate. Uh, and, and right. my, was that, now, was that between the ages of five and six or seven and eight <laughs> for you maybe no i mean you know i mean for the celibacy was that you know no i was i was 26 26 27 when i did that okay so Brutal. so celibacy between 26 and what 27 yeah i believe so yeah okay and 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 and, and uh i actually think it was later i think it was 20 oh. 28 to 29 actually. okay okay yeah. and and now you're 30 yeah and 
And uh, how the fuck did you do that? It was brutal, man. <laughs> brutal. I can't. I couldn't do that. <laughs> but you have to hear this, and hopefully okay. your, your viewers oh, are paying goodness. attention. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. All right, you okay. But I'm just, I'm just, you know, just just going straight up from the, <laughs> you know, from the Neanderthal for sure man type thing. And like, how the fuck did you not get no pussy for a year? Well, it's, it's in know, me I'm too. Like, I mean, I'm just like you. Is, how the fuck does a man not get no pussy for a year voluntarily? And you wasn't locked up? Yeah, I wasn't locked up. No, I was not. You wasn't locked up? <laughs> I was not locked up, no. And you volunteered not to get no pussy for a year? That's right. That's right. What um, the fuck? So what I wanted to do is... is, is I, I wanted... think we got to end this conversation and have a... <laughs> We gotta, have, we gotta have a talk, man. Matter of fact, let me put some more in your glass. You well, got, you know. I, I, I would, I wouldn't be a programmer if I, did not, if I didn't. Okay, do that, all right, so. okay. I, but I just wanted to get that out of the way. For me, for sure. I, I'm, I, I don't. I feel you on that one too, man. I Twenty-nine and thirty, no pussy tough. for a year. Okay, because I know, because my celibacy period was like, <laughs> you know, like between like five and six. <laughs> But then even then, I was trying to get some. I was trying to do something even back then, you know. I was, but and right. then like I think like like twelve and thirteen. I think it wasn't what happened. I think after thirteen, that that celibacy was over. It was, it was done. It was done. It was, it was over. It was a wrap. Well, you know, I, I thought about what you said. What like because yeah, yeah. you said like as you get older, it gets it becomes exponential, and I think I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. Because because yeah. I'm, I'm I'm like thirty one now, and okay, and, and, okay. And, and I see. Like how much easier it's gotten. It's like what the hell? Like you know, it's, right, okay. it's quite interesting. Okay, all right. So uh, once again, the uh, the web web address where everyone oh, yeah. can so visit your blog. It's, it's jamesallen.net. It's basically my name, jamesallen.net, and they could find a lot of information okay, on. And health. can you can you spell it out, please? Yeah, James J A M E S Allen A L L A N. Dot net jamesallen.net okay. okay wonderful, wonderful and i do want to say that i'm gonna be starting a thread because uh, right now i'm currently speaking of health wealth and social phenomenons that i notice uh but i'm, I'm gonna be starting a new thread on machine learning uh basically um, uh, machine learning is a subset of ai where machines teach machines basically learn mm. you know uh, through experience mm. and these experiences could be data sets that you run over and over indefinitely mm. you know um so I'm going to be starting a thread about that because um, uh, I want to say that my experience with the, with this branch of computer science is, is, is very esoteric. What I mean by that is that they say some of the most simplest shit in a most abstract manner just to sort of like appear more complex than it is. Mm. So I would like to... <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that complicated. <laughs> it's not. Some of the stuff they say is just like, what? Um, so as someone who's sort of like so you have to think about what I did, right? I, I took my own evolution from being this person who's completely ignorant from Haiti mm. to someone working in Silicon Valley and actually producing original software well, applications. Well, right? you weren't completely ignorant. You were ignorant in terms of the English language and perhaps the American culture. Well, I was also so, I was superstitious. So, I, I had well, a lot. I had that, a lot of problems. Yeah, but that's not. Yeah, that's not ignorance in itself because you you know at that point in your life you were still very young. Sure. So you know it's 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 you know obviously your 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 mind is still forming. That's right. Yeah. You know, that's right. You know, in and outside of your environment. So I you know I caution you to use the term okay ignorant. Obviously, being placed into an alien environment—that's fair. Also, so you know, I don't, you know, I don't think that's right. So uh, we'll so, wrap. We'll, you know, uh, 
you know, you can make a comment and then we'll kind of wrap yeah. things up. So I want to say that I want to use basically my experience from training my own mind, mm. uh, from being like this basically uninformed person to a fairly intelligent person doing interesting work in Silicon Valley. I want to use that experience to sort of train a machine on how to learn as well, mm. right? If I, if I could teach myself how to learn, I think I could teach a machine how to learn, which is why I'm branching off into machine learning as mm. opposed to just being like an application developer, right? And I want to start a thread on my blog about machine learning, making it simple and accessible to everyone, hopefully. So um, uh, do check out the blog if you're interested in that. Okay. So uh, in conclusion, uh, I'd like to say that uh, with machine learning, the way that I met you, uh, we met each other in person. So what I like to say to our audience is uh, in today's world where there's so much interaction with uh, machines and computers and, and almost everything we do, uh, from uh, listening to music to paying a bill, <laughs> that we cannot forget to keep that human interaction. So sometimes when you're in public and you're walking down the street or you're riding on a train or airplane, take the headphones off and engage someone because a lot of a lot of our knowledge and a lot, a lot of our education and, and a lot of the most pertinent education and knowledge still comes from human interaction mm -hmm. that conversation between two people that's right so with all the technology that we have we can't forget to do that because that's how i met you yeah you know it was through just some conversation so uh one of the things that uh, we do on this uh, particular program podcast is at the end uh, I'd like to uh, throw out to the audience and, and also to my guests a not book of the day, but a short story of the day, <laughs> because we all know that education can take you uh, wherever you want to go. And as uh, someone once told me, to a whole lot of wonderful places that you never imagined. And from our, our conversation, that's what you brought to me. It, it's taking you to a lot of wonderful places you've never imagined. So uh, my book of the day is going to be, or my short story of the day, excuse me, is going to be Brick Dust Lane, since we're here in New York City, which is a short story by O. Henry, who's, mm. who's uh, looked at by many as the father of the uh, American short story. Okay, so Mr. Allen, uh, to end our program today, your short story of the day and the author, if you can share that with the audience. Okay, so um, this book is called The Little Prince. It's by another French guy. His name is uh, Antoine de Saint-Esuspiry. Okay, Good and, luck and, spelling that. and if you can uh, please spell that for our, our, <laughs> for our, for our American audience, please. Sure. So The Little Prince, I think that's... The Little Prince, that's pretty easy to, to okay. figure out. But Antoine is uh, A-N-T-O-I-N-E. Uh, de, so D-E. Saint, so S-A-I-N-T. Uh, Exuspiry, which is uh, E-X-U-P-E-R-Y. Okay. Ooh. All right. And uh, for our audience, One Bottle at a Time is our podcast. Today's guest was Mr. James Allen. And uh, now, our wine no of the day like was three, T-H-R-E-E-E, -E, and it says Tizara from Contra Costa County. And it's really good. You have, to, have to endorse it. You have to endorse it. Okay. In, in uh, California. And uh, that's it. Thank you so very much for tuning in. And I hope that we provided uh, 
some food for the mind, one bottle at a time. Thank you. This is Ronald Dorsey, and for my guest, Mr. James Allen, keep it moving. Save me for a night, oh.